Hey there, welcome back to the Will and Rob Show. It is great to be with you all again. My name is Robert, Ministry Associate with Ministry Estate, and here with me, as always, my very good friend and ministry partner and colleague, Will Stockdale, also a Ministry Associate with Ministry to State. Will, you had another Commons program last night, and I stuck around for a little bit and was helping people up and down the elevator, and you sent, it looked like you had a pretty good crew for, for Commons. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was, I didn't mean to say, Nick, that sounds surprising. You always have a good crew for comments, but it was really, awesome. Your personality and the beautiful weather and <laughs> amazing people would choose to be with you at comments. I get it. No loud and clear, Robert. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Hey, uh, it was great. I loved it. It was, it's fun to meet more and more interns and get to know them and, um, hear their stories and what they're doing. And they're, they've been asking such good questions to our speakers. Last night we had Libby Tidwell, share who's been on the podcast before and she um uh she works in the house and uh is just a really really wonderful woman and um thoughtful and so enjoyed uh having her there and um afterwards it was gosh yesterday evening was amazing and we have access to this rooftop area so we just kind of hung out on the roof for a while and talked afterwards which is fantastic is really beautiful and continues to be gorgeous today but yeah Comments has been going well. I've been uh, encouraged. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, hanging out with interns in DC is always uh, a fun experience because um, unlike a lot of people in DC who have been here for so long, who have sort of become jaded by the system or, or whatever you, uh, the interns are always very optimistic and very passionate about uh, their uh, careers and what they want to do and these issues that they're working on. And, um, it always kind of leaves, uh, conversations with interns always leave me a little inspired and, uh, want me to go back to my work with the same sort of optimism and hope. And so, um, I think that's awesome. The commons program is a great program of ministry state and you're doing an awesome job with it. Well, um, they kind of, they interns kind of crack the crusty, you know, they kind of, uh, crackle at the, at maybe the, the hard outer shell that gets formed and our reminder that it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to be so. <laughs> negative um of course we're never negative robert no never last time you and i have ever been said i can't think of any time i've been hypercritical or pessimistic or cynical (laughs) or jaded pick any of those terms definitely not um yeah i gotta find those people and set them straight i tell you exactly um but speaking of hope i think uh for this week we wanted to take some time uh in the show uh as we go into general assembly week um, to discuss just kind of uh, ministry to state and where we're at, and then um, kind of the, the future of ministry, particularly in the PCA, uh, because at General Assembly this year, uh, uh, ministry state is going to have a really unique presence in that we uh, will actually have our boss, Chuck Garriott, who's the executive director and founder of ministry to state. Um, he will be on the main stage in an assembly wide seminar uh, that uh, Brian Chapel will be moderating. Uh, the title of that seminar is The Future Glory of the Church, the PCA We Envision for Christ's Purposes. And, uh, you know, Ministry State will be doing so many different things at General Assembly this year. We've got a number of different seminars and uh, a luncheon as well. And uh, we'll have a booth in the exhibition hall. So if you're listening to this and you're going to be at General Assembly, make sure to check us out. But um, I think just uh, as we have been thinking about this this panel and preparing for this this panel that Chuck's going to be on, um, it it lends itself to a, a discussion about uh, kind of the hope 
that we have as two young guys in ministry uh, who are coming into this denomination and sort of what we're looking forward to in ministry and what gives us uh, hope for the future. And I think a lot of that has to do with what we're doing in ministry right now. And so I kind of wanted to kick that over to you, Will, and just sort of in your experience, you know, with ministry state and even in your ministry experience before that, what is, what gives you hope about uh, ministry going forward? Yeah, I wanted to say, as you mentioned the title, the future glory of the church, the PCA, da, 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 there is a, there is a colon between church and the PCA. We do believe that we have the most correct form of church government, but not that the PCA is the end of all that the church could possibly be. So <laughs> if you were to see it written down, it would sound a little less hubristic. It would be a little more tame than how it will, you know, if you say it out loud, what it sounds like. Um, do you think that was intentional? I think it was intentional. I think it's just a mouthful. I don't know if it's <laughs> intentional or not, but man, that panel should be really exciting. It is Brian Chapel, Julius Kim is going to be on there. Um, you have who uh, who is the editor in chief of the Gospel Coalition? If anybody right, didn't know, right, uh, Philip Riken, who is uh, former pre- former pastor of Tenth Pres and now the president at Wheaton College, and then our very own Chuck Garriott, who's just been doing faithful ministry here for for 17 years and then all the time that he had before that in Oklahoma and then uh, uh, Michael and uh, I and then Dominique a friend will be doing another panel but that that's a different thing in terms of maybe I'll speak first to like this panel itself mm-hmm. and then kind of go on into hope I think one of the neat things for those of us who are going to be there, and maybe this will be available on YouTube for those who can't make it, you're going to get a lot of different perspectives from the people who are there. You're going to get a lot of different focuses and expertise. So you have an online uh, organization, basically, that does have in-person events, but like the Gospel Coalition with Julius Kim, they have a very different uh, interaction with their, let's call it consumers or the Christians who are there, than someone going to Wheaton College, which is you know a four-year an academic institution with grad school to uh, someone like Brian Chapel and his for, former experience at Covenant and what it's like running a seminary and then um, very boots on the ground pastoral ministry of Chuck Garriott. And so I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes of those conversations and looking at the various ways that this denomination, the PCA is seeking to extend the transforming presence of Jesus Christ to whatever location one person is in and then to the rest of the world. Um, But uh, it it shouldn't necessarily be a freedom of conscience, but there's definitely a difference in what is most prioritized for each of those individual people. Um, And I think it there will, and and truthfully, there will probably be some conflicting ideas of what is good for the church to do and focus on. Like, what does it need to do more of? Um, we'll, We'll probably differ some, but I think that the core will remain the same. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's a good point because I think uh, it, it could be really easy to go into the the panel and maybe like expecting this to be sort of like, here's the, here's the answer. Like all these questions that are, that are facing the denomination, like here's, here's our panel wide answer. And I don't, I don't really expect to get that. I think we're going to get a lot of different uh, thoughts from very well-seasoned men in ministry uh, who've experienced, like what you've said, all kinds of different um, uh, ecosystems and contexts and stakeholders. And I think all of that is going to influence, you know, 
the particular answers that each that each person gives. You know, I, I think that the overall message, though, that is coming forth, and I hope to hear from that panel, is that, you know, this is a denomination that um, has a lot of hope and, and does believe um, uh, in being around for a while and uh, not and not uh, fracturing or splintering like what's going on in some other denominations. And I think that's really important. Um, but, you know, it really comes down to what is the basis of that hope? Now, obviously, um, I, I think everyone, regardless of sort of where on the spectrum you're, you're at, is going to agree that you know, our hope is in Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished on the cross and continues to do through his Holy Spirit uh, in the church today. And I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that that is, that is the shared understanding by everyone who comes to GA. Um, but I think also that there's, there's also many other reasons for hope. The, sort of the, the practical, uh, concrete examples of that, uh, of that hope that we see demonstrated in the individual ministries of the PCA kind of going out all, all, all over across the country. And ministry state is certainly part of that. Um, and, you know, m- with my own experience at ministry state, even in the short year and a half that I've been here, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of reason for that hope. Right, right. Well, um, in terms of hope, when the PCA was founded back in 1973, and the author of this article points us out that Chapel said, quote, uh, the founding fathers of the PCA had a clear vision uh, of a reformed church with missional zeal and commitment to scriptures in order to be light to an increasingly secular culture. At this juncture, and this is, quote, it is important that we have a clear vision of our future purpose so that we coordinate our efforts and unite our hearts in Christ's mission, end quote. That, that is going to be increasingly clear. And in terms of having hope, um, keeping the main thing the main thing, I think, is one, one area to have hope in. And what is, what is our first and foremost commitment? And that is to the authority of Scripture, for the inspiration of Scripture, for the inerrancy of Scripture, uh, for its rule and reign over our lives and um, keeping that central in our preaching and teaching so that Christ is most exalted and glorified in the preached word and the sacraments and in discipleship. If I were to think of what, what, what would I hope to come out of this panel and what would I hope is most clearly communicated from whoever it's that uh, men and women of whatever age who are under the leadership or influence of these people are discipled and equipped and loved in such a way that they can give an answer for the hope that they have. I think that's so often used as an apologetic verse, which it can be. It's not, it's not excluded from that, but it is so much more than that. It is so much more than just being able to give the cosmological argument for God's existence. When someone asks, it is, why are you so hopeful? Why do you have Hope and not just like not just whistling in the dark or like everyone's going to be happy one day, but it's a substantive hope. It is a hope that is rooted in a resurrected guy from two thousand years ago. Like, why would you hope in that? I don't understand. And to be able to teach and train, um, to encourage. One of the things that I think about a lot with Ministry of State is the idea of plausibility structures which is the philosophical idea that our beliefs are more firmly held, sustained when um, there are greater buttresses 
that are around them that that allow for what we hold to be plausible. And I think by um, praying together, by studying scripture together, by talking clearly and openly about Jesus, we can support those people who believe and then hopefully be salt and light to those who don't believe and don't know the reason for the hope that we have. Yeah. And that's, that's an important thing to say because, you know, there's so much talk about the future and, you know, I, I was catching some of the clips from uh, the SBC convention that happened uh, just a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. And uh, one of the big concerns I know uh, in the SBC is that the baptisms amongst um, the next generation are very low and uh, they are very concerned about their witness and reach uh, into uh, Gen Z and uh, generations after that. And I think one thing that gives me just a, a lot of hope about the future of the PCA, you know, speaking into that context, because that's really what I know, is that as I'm, as I'm interacting with a lot of people in my generation, the millennial generation, and then the generation below, a lot of the interns, you know, that came to commons, you know, this idea of, of discipleship, of getting back to sort of the basics, if you will, what you mentioned, you know, this, this is a huge premium. Uh, this is a huge uh, thing that the, the, the these uh, young folks want. Um, I, I think that there's been you know countless and endless uh, blog posts, articles, videos, you know books, whatever about reaching the next generation. We've talked about that a little bit on this podcast before, and like sort of all these little bells and whistles that you need in order to um, attract the next generation. And I think as I as I work with um, millennials. Millennials, millennials, and Gen Zers, like they want to go back to the basics. They want to read scripture. They want to know about the confession. Why? Why do we? Why do we follow this thing? You know, the subscription is going to be a huge topic at GA. You know, I've got people being like, "Well, wait, I, I don't really know what's in the confession. Why do we have a confession? I should know what a confession is. I should know what our confession is." Um, I think that's a really important thing for young folks. And that gives me a lot of hope because that's something that we can do, right? That, that's not, that's in the wheelhouse of the church, if you will. It doesn't uh, require us to extend ourselves beyond something that we're not equipped to do or, or charged to do. Um, and I think that's, that's a really positive development in my mind. Right. I, I noticed, um, I started watching the Disney Channel show Loki. Oh, nice. How is that? It's great. I, I like it a lot more than WandaVision personally, so far at least, but one thing that actually WandaVision and Loki have in common is this interest in history in the past and in a way of going back to different time periods. And I was wondering why, and, and I could just be totally reading, over reading, I over reading into this, but that there's a, an interest and fascination with history because we live in such an anti-historical time. It kind of goes part and parcel with the anti-culture idea of Philip Reith that Carl Truman and others talk about as well of banishing history to the past as not something that of which were a part of or an outgrowth or a growth uh, from, but as something that just is to be improved upon or is a lesson in failure, even worse. And uh, so I, I think you, like you said, going back and learning these, these core essential truths of, of the faith. And um, you know, there's a lot of, ink being spilled on the dangers of white nationalism and CRT. And we would agree that both of those are, are bad. Neither of those are good. Um, there is way too much confusion around both of those. Very few people seem to actually be talking about what 
white nationalism or well, well, yeah, no white, whiter Christian nationalism and uh, CRT. No one seems to be giving a, 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 disin, a, a genuine answer to what it is. Um, but the truth is that the church is going to suffer and succumb much more quickly uh, to the, the results of lack of discipleship than to CRT or white nationalism. There is an essential need for pastors and elders, husbands, wives, you know, to be teaching and loving and reminding each other of, of the truth. I was talking with one of the interns actually at lunch and he brought up how it was Adam's responsibility to tend to keep the garden. And I was like, you know, we, we were talking, one of the things that Adam was called to do was to keep snakes out, was to keep snakes out of the garden. And he didn't, uh, he should have crushed his head and he let it, he let it go. Um, he failed that. And, and as Christians, we're called to keep snakes out of, out of our friends' lives. Like we're, we're there to hold each other accountable, to speak honestly and truthfully to each other and say, Hey brother, Hey sister, I think, I think there's a snake lurking there that needs to be kicked out and, and cleaned. I think it's going to get you. And that comes from being able to identify the wiles of the enemy that comes from knowing truth and what to run to, um, what it means to live well unto God. And that comes through a lot of practice and a lot of time. Um, it does not just occur overnight and it happens through a lot of failures. Yeah, that's really well said. Um, I mean, as you work with uh, the folks that you work with in your ministry, I mean, what are you hearing from them? What are some of their um concerns or hopes for the future uh, as they think about their walk uh, in the faith? You know, in terms of hope, I haven't heard that exact language. I haven't heard many people who are despondent about the future of the church in America. I think that there's a general sense that that secular secularism is on the rise and increasing. I think um, so many staffers are the only Christians who work in their office, the only people who are taking their faith seriously and for them um in what i said earlier about wanting to live well and wanting to live faithfully i think for a lot of people it's just really hard Mm. and it's really tiring and i think a lot of people in their workplace just want to hear from their pastor to say hey been thinking about you and your work praying for you thankful for what you're doing Uh, i think little things like that go a really long way I think they want to know that they're not forgotten Monday through Saturday, that they're not just thought about on Sunday, but, and not just noticed when they're not there, but that they're actively thought about and um, prayed for uh, that goes along. And I think that really supports and encourages people and lets them know that they're connected to something. Um, yeah. And generally I found and probably because we're in DC also where you have a very smart type a group of people who are pretty practical, but also they are interested in ideas a lot up here. And uh, I think people are interested in like maybe more complicated truths of Christianity. And I think people also want to know, how do I share this with people who don't know Jesus? How do I, how do I talk about my faith? Um, Am I, am I living my faith? Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's a lot of what I hear too. 
I, I think your point about pastoring is really important. Like uh, the, the best stories that I hear are, you know, the people who realize that, you know, what, what makes them really hopeful about church and, and uh, being in the body of Christ is that they have a pastor who is, you know, it's very obvious that their primary focus is, you know, shepherding the flock. Um, it's not about gaining followers on social media or subscriptions to their newsletters or what have you, but it's about pastoring people um, through the real life messiness that is real life. Um, and I think that I, I think more and more uh, uh, the younger folks in ministry that, that, you know, that are sort of in our position that are coming into ordination um, or going through seminary right now, sort of recognize that, that that's a really important aspect that people are talking about. And that gives me a lot of hope for uh, the, the future of the church in America, but also our denomination in particular. Um, I think also like one thing that is a concern it, that, that you hit on that I've also heard, which is just the, the seeming scarcity of Christians, serious Christians in their midst, whether that's in their works, whether that's in their work um, or like in their apartment complex or whatever. I mean, this is a particular DC phenomenon, I think. Um, but like, I know a lot of people that were sort of raised nominally Christian or at least in sort of Christianized cultures in other parts of the country. Um, and everyone was sort of a self-described Christian, whether, you know, they were serious about it or not. Uh, and then moving up to places like DC uh, and other big cities where most young people are moving to today um, are finding that, you know, the number of Christians who are committed to going to church every Sunday, you know, spending time in scripture, spending time in prayer, spending time in fellowship is just, there's just not a lot of them out there. So while there is that concern, there's also a lot of hope when people get plugged into those groups that uh, of Christians who are very serious. So like I'm leading a group through the book of Mark right now. And, you know, we've got a handful of uh, young men who work in various roles in Capitol, on Capitol Hill. Um, but like, you know, they gather once a week or once every two weeks to study the gospel of Mark. And, you know, that's just not a normal thing in the, you know, for most people uh, across the country that you could find a group of young men who are in sort of their, you know, the, the hardworking stage of their career. Uh, they, some of us uh, have families or young kids, but like they are committed to this group and praying for each other and studying God's word together. Um, and I think, you know, when people get plugged into groups like that, there's a lot of reason for hope because those, those little platoons, if you will, um, are going to be so well equipped uh, to go out into the world and into an increasingly secularized world and have that, that fellowship with them, um, that love of the body uh, with them as they, as they go out. So I think that's, I think that's another thing I hear a lot too. Um, with that being in community fellowship, strengthening, looking at scripture uh, for, for people who are listening, who aren't in DC, um, wherever you are in life and living in America, there's going to be a certain set of temptations that the enemy uses to seduce us. Uh, it's if you're in Texas, California, New York, they're, they're just different. The enemy shapes based on the tastes of the people here. And there's just a lot of unique temptations and that are here in DC that people face. It doesn't mean that it's a cesspool. It doesn't mean that it's a, that it's the worst place in the world or that nothing good happens here, that Congress is worthless. It doesn't mean anything like that at all. 
but it does mean that when we think about our brothers and sisters who are up here, that there are, that there's a unique type of um, temptation that people face as they try to live faithfully, whether that's certain temptations of power, whether that's certain temptation of prestige, whether that's um, name recognition, what, you know, vanity um, uh, betrayal, it could be anything, but the point is that, uh, as, as we, as we seek to minister up here and, and as we hope people are praying for both members and staffers that uh, we consider the uniqueness of the position to which God has called these people and their desire to serve faithfully. And that we um, hope for their best and hope that they are salt and light and uh, make saltier salt all around uh, and, and multiply rather than retreat. Cause these are brave men and women who aren't they are seeking to, to go out. Um, they're not those who retreat, but those who press on and preserve their souls. And it's an exciting, exciting group of people to love on and to learn from and be around. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, like the last kind of part of this conversation that I wanted to steer us towards, and then we'll probably be running out of time. Um, is just sort of like, you know, for all of the optimism that we've uh, said in this podcast, which is good, we, we should be optimistic. There's a lot to be optimistic about. Um, it's no doubt that, you know, this build up to this general assembly has been very, uh, uh, I don't want to say tense. That's not the right word, but there's just been a lot of activity and energy as we lead up to uh, general assembly. There's been a number of open letters and, and different pieces and podcasts and blogs, blah, blah. Of the we writing really- of, of the writing of open letters, there is no end. Yes, exactly. And we don't want to be part of that because we don't think that, that, you know, that's not what we want this podcast to be. So we will kind of dismiss all that. But that being said, you know, there is a, a, a sense of um, concern or, you know, I think it may be a spotlight is a good word to put, say on, on this general assembly. Um, and what, what I'm really thankful for is that, um, the, the, the people that I'm talking to is I, I kind of go to general assembly are sort of, I think, uniquely aware of certain uh, idols or certain issues that face the church that often don't get talked about as much um, because they're not the ones that sort of get published in like huge journals or get like the five minutes on cable news or, or what have you. Um, and so, and I, I've, I've heard a couple of things that they've pointed out that I think are really insightful. Um, I guess, you know, maybe to kick it over to you and kind of similar question as before, like, what are some of the things, what are some of the idols that you think that uh, people in sort of millennial, our generation, and then like the generation below who are thinking seriously about the future of the church, like this, this seminar in the panel is going to be addressing, you know, what are some of the idols that you think they're aware of um, that gives you hope for the future of, of the church in America? Idols that we're aware of. Yeah. Man, that's, I'm sure that there are idols that I am glad people point out that I see as well that are in my life that uh, other people are pointing out, but I disagree with. But I think, um, I think one of them is uh, this, this strange idea of we can't risk our witness. Um and that's more of like, that's more akin to like, hey, we have a brand here that we're trying to promote. And um, if we compromise our quote unquote witness, which is not actually really witness because witness is the same Greek root that we get martyr for. And so that's not really, a, um, uh, it's not really culturally palatable, it seems. So I think awareness that 
our faithfulness to Christian teaching um, is not the same thing as cultural relevance. And I think there's a lot of good people in the PCA who, and other denominations who see that. And I'm really thankful for that. Um, I think uh, a love for local place, a theology of place is really good and, and, and being seen more and more and appreciated. So I'm glad for both of those, I think. Yeah. Those are both really good examples. Um, I know one that someone brought up to me the other day that I thought was just really, you know, insightful and one that, um, uh, you know, probably I couldn't articulate, but definitely felt like kind of um, intuitively, uh, which is this, this understanding, maybe you want to call it like an, the idol of uh, mass media or like, the idol of, uh, uh, the digital space, if you will. And, uh, I think it's related to what you're talking about with sort of the love of the local and, uh, that more people that I see are just sort of like checked out and done with social media and sort of like big, uh, name sort of broad, uh, uh, publishing houses or what have you that, you know, they realize they're just are not as connected to them as they once thought and realize that don't, they don't really have as much bearing on their, their daily walk with Christ as like their community group at church or like their pastor or, you know, their small group, if you will. And I think one thing I'm noticing is that like more and more people are just sort of done with, you know, the idea of social media of having uh, an online church service experience or um, you know, there's this, I think there's just this general sense in uh, particularly the younger generations that, it, you know, those, these books or these articles or these blogs, you know, maybe they're helpful and, you know, maybe they're kind of interesting and, you know, I'll read them every once in a while, but like they shouldn't uh, have this outside space in my life. Um, I actually don't need to be on Twitter constantly. And I don't actually need to follow, you know, every article that comes out of Christianity today or, you know, some, you know, or some my favorite blog um, that, you know, there's as much wisdom, if not more sort of contextualized wisdom uh, in sitting down for coffee with the, uh, an elder at my church um, and just having them speak into my life for an hour. And, you know, I, I think that that's going to be really important uh, going forward. And I think that that gives me a lot of hope. You know, I, I kind of joke with people that uh, it's not crazy for me to, to imagine a timeline where, you know, you and me have been in ministry for, I don't know, 20 plus years, and we're on the, uh, the floor of General Assembly, and we're doing a denominational wide repent for ever using social media. Like, it's just not crazy for me to think that that, that timeline exists. And that we're even talking about that uh, in, you know, so quickly after you know, the start of a p- pandemic where people, I, I think I mentioned this on this podcast before, where there were certain evangelical groups that were sort of like really happy about this idea that it would push all these uh, churches and, and Christian organizations into this digital media space that we're already at the point where people are like, mm, maybe that's not all what's cracked up to be. Gives me a lot of hope uh, as we sort of think about the future of the church in America. Um. Well, great. I think that's a good place to land. I think we're, we're running out of time here, um, but hopefully this has been a, an optimistic conversation. We hope what uh, listener, what you hear is that we are very excited uh, for General Assembly. We're really excited 
uh, for what happens after General Assembly. Um, and uh, I think we share, along with all of the panelists that are going to be on this seminar, uh, including uh, our, bus, our boss, Chuck Garriott, um, that the, the PCA and the denomination has a lot to be hopeful for uh, as we consider the future of the church. Um, there may be a ton of disagreement about what exactly that is uh, come next week, uh, but uh, by God's grace, uh, we will move forward together in unity and uh, continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ uh, to the ends of the world. Um, with that, uh, thank you for listening to the Will and Rob Show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at RD Hessler. Will's at Stockdale Will. I think we have a couple, uh, hopefully we'll do a couple like mini live shows from GA. We'll see. Kind of depends on, on what our schedule is like, but maybe something like that will happen. Who knows? Um, and make sure to check out ministryofstate.org. And with that, see you guys again next week.